Well, praise the Lord. Welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis. I'm here in the studio, and uh, we are studying First Peter this morning. Grab your Bibles. We're going to be in chapter 4, and uh, just going to have a great time in the Lord today, and He is going to bless us tremendously with the impartation of His precious truth in our hearts. It's what we desperately need every minute of every day. So grab your Bibles and let's get ready to dig into 1 Peter chapter 4. Now we're going to be near the end of chapter 4 this morning. So uh, as you're turning there, just let me say you can find everything that we do here at Crossway Church on the YouTube channel. The worship services on Sunday morning and Wednesday night are live there as well as the Crossway Church Queen City, Texas Facebook page. And uh, the teaching sessions on Monday and Friday, the Cross Time with Pastor Curtis programs, they're uploaded later to that YouTube channel. But you can always watch live, even if it's the teaching sessions or the worship services, on that Facebook page. So I encourage you to do that. We're just excited. Youth Camp, Determined Youth Camp is coming up next month, July the 17th through the 20th. They're in Palestine, Texas. If you're interested, uh, send me an email, curtishutchinson at att.net. I'll get you a form out, and uh, you can always uh, send your money. Uh, it's $125 per camper. Uh, you can send your money via uh, our text-to-give number, and one of the choices you make on that is for the determined youth, and that number is 903 231-5950. Again, that's 903-231-5950. If you're interested in youth camp, determined youth camp, uh, you will be blessed if you come. Last year was tremendous. This year will be even greater because everything the Lord's doing has a great increase upon it, and I'm thankful for that. All right, well, let's get into the Word this morning. We know how quick time goes by. It'll be an hour uh, in just a few seconds, it seems that way. But First Peter chapter 4, and what I want to do uh, before we get down there to the end of the chapter where we're going to focus our time today is I want to go back and, and start up in verse 1. not going to read the whole chapter, but I want to point out this first verse again. As I also remind us that the Lord has shown us in our study of First Peter that the overall emphasis on the entire letter is suffering for righteousness sake. Suffering for living for God. Suffering because of our Christianity. And that, that's the overall really emphasis and focus, the context of this first letter written by Peter to an early church. And it is very relevant to a latter church right now. And so let's look at verse 1 this morning and see what the Lord is going to minister to us today. For as much then, this is 1 Peter 4 verse 1, For as much then as Christ has suffered for us, in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same. The suffering of the flesh. Arm yourselves likewise with the suffering of the flesh. Watch. Because he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. He that has suffered in the flesh 
has ceased from sin. That word sin there is the same word used 15 of the 16 times sin is used in Romans chapter 6, which it's speaking of the sin nature, the dominion of the old man, the sin nature. So the only time the sin nature is not ruling is when we're trusting in what Christ did on the cross, his suffering for us, and if that is what we're trusting in, hear this very, very carefully. If that is in fact where our faith is located, then we will suffer with him. That, listen, let's read it again. For he that has suffered <coughs> in the flesh has ceased from sin. Jesus never did have sin to cease from. You and I do. We were sinners. We committed sin after sin after sin, not just guilty of committing sin. We were sinners. And because our faith has now been placed in the death of Jesus, his sufferings, then our flesh, Galatians chapter 5 tells us, that our flesh was also crucified with him, the very lust and affections of this flesh that we're living in, it was crucified with Christ. And if that is where our faith is, suffering is inevitable. Suffering comes with that. First and foremost, it says, he that has suffered in the flesh. The flesh continues today for the Christian who knows the only object of faith is the death of Jesus. The Christian knows that it says, he that has suffered in the flesh, our flesh is the first thing that suffers. How does our flesh suffer? Not cuts and bruises. Our flesh suffers being denied the right to rule. See, the sin nature rules only through the lust of the flesh. That's why when we're not trusting in the sacrifice of Christ, it means we're trusting in something else. And whatever it might be, it's because the lust of the flesh is taking place. And it's not being put to death through our faith in the death of Jesus. And you do understand, right? He that has suffered in the flesh, and we have because we died with Christ. Amen. And our affections and our fleshly lust were put to death. Galatians 5 tells us that. So, But I want to bring this out. It's so important that we're told that as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. And if you don't, my friend, you're going to avoid suffering. Now let's go back to the second chapter, again, as we did last time, before we move on and look at verse 20. Verse 20 in 1 Peter chapter 2. For what glory is it if when you are buffeted, the word means beaten, for your faults, you shall take it patiently. But if when you do well, you suffer for it, you take it patiently, that, my friends, is acceptable with God. So the Lord is telling us here, if you do wrong and they beat you or imprison you for doing wrong and you take it patiently, you ain't getting no fruit of the Holy Spirit out of that. You, there's no glory in that. But for, if for doing well, serving Christ, suffering for righteousness' sake, you 
you take it patiently, that is acceptable with God. So again, this whole first letter of Peter is about suffering. So let's move down here. Let's move down here in verse 12, and we're not going to stay here where we've been, but we're going to read through it and move on down here a little lower today. So get your Bibles and follow along with us, starting in verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trials which is to try you, as though some strange thing has happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings. This is what we need to know. If we suffer because of our faith in the cross of Christ, then we're suffering because we're partakers of his suffering. If we're suffering for any other reason than our faith in the sacrifice of Christ, my friends, we're not, we're not suffering because we're partakers of Christ. The rejoicing is there and scripturally legitimate with fruit when we're rejoicing for, for, for suffering because we're partakers of Christ. And nobody's partaking of Christ unless they're eating his flesh and drinking his blood. What does that mean? That means from their heart they're trusting, not in themselves, but in the death of Jesus, the door that was opened, the entrance place that was given, the, the, the death of Jesus, our union with our Savior in his death. So let's read it again. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. If you be reproached for the name of Christ... <clears throat> happy are you because, and I love this part, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you on their part, when this is happening, on their part, the ones who are causing the suffering, and that's what this is talking about, the Criticism, the persecution, the name-calling, the, the, all the things that come against those who are learning to be determined not to trust in anything but the cross of Christ. That's what the Bible says in Galatians 6.14 that God forbids his people boast in anything other. And if that's where, not if, but when that's where you find yourself, all hell's going to break loose concerning your faith. And you're not supposed, I'm not supposed to think it's some weird and strange thing. It is the very, look at verse 1 again. As Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm, yourself, arm yourselves. Be prepared with that same mind. Because you're going to be partakers of Christ's sufferings. You get that. Verse 14. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy, meaning blessed are you, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he, is e he, the Lord, Christ, is evil spoken of. Oh, they're talking about you. But he's the one they're really talking about and speaking evil of. But on your part, 
Christ is being glorified. See, there's great glory in suffering. There's great glory in suffering. The Bible here tells us that the spirit of glory and of God is resting upon you. If you're suffering for well-doing, suffering for righteousness' sake, suffering for carrying out the will of God by the Spirit of God, which requires faith in the sacrifice of Christ, or it's not being done except in the vanity of our own fleshly minds. Now let's look at some things today. In this next verse, 15, he tells us something we need to know. We always need to know whatever the Bible tells us. Amen? But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a, a meddler, a, a meddler, a busybody in other men's matters. That'll bring much suffering, my sin, my sin, my friend. <laughs> that is sin. All that is sin. It'll bring suffering, but it won't be suffering for righteousness' sake. And as you've heard me say the last couple of sessions, this world is full of one thing for sure. And every person on the planet has always experienced it, and that is suffering. We're either suffering because of our sinful flesh and we're being lost without Christ and undone. We don't know God. Or we're suffering because we're Christians and we don't understand that the only object of faith is the death of Jesus and we keep trying this and trying that and that's a miserable, confusing life of contradiction like men who become waves tossed in the sea, not even sure they can expect anything from God. The Bible says they can't expect to receive anything from God in that condition, but they're suffering. They're suffering confusion. They're suffering contradiction. <clears throat> They're suffering really the onslaught of the deceiving sin nature. Romans chapter 7 tells us if their faith is not in the death of Jesus, the sacrifice of Christ. But for the Christian, it's another type of, not just the Christian, but the Christian who knows where to put his faith. The exclusive place God offers all of humanity to put their faith, and that's in the death of Jesus. But even for us, it's suffering. Suffering is what the whole world has in common, among many other things. But suffering is what the whole world is doing right now. Right now. Suffering at the dominion of the flesh and the sin nature, whether you're lost or even if you're saved and don't know how to live for God, and I didn't say what to do, how to live for God, meaning that you don't know that your faith has to remain in the death of Jesus 24-7 every moment of your life. If you want to experience the victory that flows, the life that flows out of that place alone, not in our doing anything. But then when we choose to believe, not just for initial salvation, but to keep our faith in the death of Jesus. We, we begin to grow, and when we begin to grow, we begin to see that a lot of this that we're, we've been listening to has really been no help to us because they're quoting the Word and using it in all these other contexts other than the righteous context it is written in. And outside of that righteous context, faith can't come. 
Faith cannot come if the Word of God is not being preached and taught in the light of Calvary's Christ. It cannot come. The cross is the avenue of all righteousness. And all of God's words are in righteousness. I want you to think about that again this morning. Everything God has ever said, all His words are in one place. Proverbs 8 and 8 tells us that all the words of God's mouth are in righteousness. And Romans 1, 16 and 17 tells us that His righteousness is revealed in the gospel. Therefore, every word God has ever spoken, which is in righteousness, which is revealed in the gospel must be seen and heard through the gospel. Peter writes in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, that this like precious faith we've obtained, it came to us through, the Bible tells us there, this like precious faith that we've obtained, we obtained it through the righteousness of God. And our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Get that now. You need to write that verse down and look at that along with the other two. Proverbs 8 and 8. Romans 1, 16 and 17. And 2 Peter 1 and 1. If faith doesn't come through the righteousness of God's word, faith is not coming. And righteousness, the righteousness of God is declared from the cross. Romans 3, 25 and 26. The cross of Christ is the gospel of our Savior. So when we're not hearing God's word touching redemption, there is nothing going to be imparted by the Holy Spirit who is truth. There is nothing that's going to be imparted. Everything takes faith. For it to be of God. He cannot be pleased without faith. He cannot work, which is the grace of God, because God's grace is the spirit of grace at work in our lives, the spirit of God, without him finding faith. And that faith only comes through righteousness. That is why Romans 1 and 18 says, if we hold God's words, God's truth, in an unrighteous context that his wrath is being revealed from heaven against all the ungodliness and unrighteousness that's taking place, which is the only thing that can be taking place if our faith is not in the sacrifice. And some say, well, I've got a whole Bible. My faith, can, you know, faith can come from hearing this. And, but, you know, my faith, you know, you know, my faith, you know, needs to be in the cross. And no, no, my friend, don't ever separate the word of God from the sacrifice of Christ. If you do, you're going back into that confused place of contradiction. When the Bible says the preaching of the cross is the power of God to us who are saved, it's foolishness to those who are perishing, it really says there the word for preaching is word, for the word of the cross. And the whole Bible is about Jesus as Redeemer. In beginning, meaning in Christ, God created the whole world. He is Redeemer. That's who He is to us. He came to suffer for us in His flesh. 
And we're told to arm ourselves in the same manner with the same mind. Hallelujah. You know, we've talked a lot in the last few years about we're all supposed to be of the same mind, the same spirit, but that mind is the mind of Christ. And that mind is a mind that's prepared to suffer for the will of God to take place, which cannot take place, any aspect of it, unless my faith is in the sacrifice of Christ. Not just for initial salvation, but for daily living, for all grace. You see, where we've erred greatly over the last many years is thinking that the message of the cross is simply to show me not just how to be saved, but how the sin nature no longer dominates my life. And that is very much required because if I don't know that and I don't keep my faith, maintain my faith, fight the good fight to maintain my faith in the cross, the death of, the death of Jesus, then I will have it placed in something else and anything else eliminates me from grace. So I can say scripturally that when my faith is not in the cross, I'm tr when I'm not trusting in the sacrifice of Christ and I'm trusting in something else, anything else, even the good things we're called to do, I'm eliminated from grace. And for those of you who are new to the program, read the book of Galatians chapter 5 verses 1 through 4. God does not deviate from that just because I don't know it. It doesn't matter if I don't know it. Ignorance, the Bible says, is no excuse. Whether I'm ignorant and I don't know the way of the cross for daily and moment-by-moment moment living, or I do know it and I'm just hard-headed all of a sudden and refusing to believe it to have go get something I want makes no difference. Either way... I'm going to suffer the corruption and disruption and destruction of the flesh ruling. And it doesn't matter. Ignorance or ignoring, either one, I'm going to suffer confusion and contradiction. And in that, I cannot have the assurance that I need. I cannot have the peace that I need because I'm confused. I'm confused. And there's always in confusion. This is something the Lord showed me the last four or five months. Always in confusion, there's going to be contradiction. We're going to be saying this and then saying that, that is contrary to that because we're confused and contradiction is always the partner to confusion. And confusion exists where faith in the sacrifice does not. That means the heart that's not trusting exclusively in the sacrifice of Christ, our union in our Savior's death with Him, there's going to be confusion. And wherever there's confusion, there's going to be contradiction. And that removes the assurance that, 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 that not removes, but it eliminates us from grasping the assurance and the peace that we have, that we desperately need. Are you getting this? So watch this now, verse 16. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, see, that is what this is about. 
He tells us in the verse 15, don't be suffering as a murderer, as a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody, a meddler, getting off in all everybody else's business. Because all of that is evil. All of that brings suffering. But it's not suffering for God even when we think it is. When we're busybodies thinking we just want to help, we're busybodies, we're meddling, oh, and our flesh is deceiving us. Our flesh will deceive us. Well, we just want to help. No, no, we just really want to meddle. I know what I'm talking about. I've been a meddler. You have to fight the good fight of faith, meaning keep to maintain your faith in the, in the death of Jesus and your union with him in that hiding place to keep from meddling now. We're very prone to meddling. Watch verse 16 now. Yet if any man, he's talking about any Christian man. This is to Christians, folks. If any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God because of this. And why do we have to be told this? Here's why. Because we avoid suffering. You know we do. We, you know we have. If we're not careful, we will continue to avoid suffering. It's really, listen, it's really why the church opted out of the way of the cross long ago. It's why preachers refuse to move on into the place of being determined to know nothing else. Why? Because that automatically brings a boatload of suffering. But hear me this morning. Wherever and whenever we avoid suffering, we're avoiding an opportunity to rule with Christ. Whenever and wherever we avoid suffering, we're avoiding, we're eliminating ourselves from the place where we rule. You say, now preacher, what are you talking about? Well, let's look at what Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, speaking of Christ, and we have died with him, we've been crucified with him. We shall also live with him. And that's not talking about when we get to heaven. We alive in him now. Hallelujah. I'm not waiting to live. I'm alive now in Christ Jesus. Amen. 2 Corinthians 4.11 tells us that the Holy Spirit for us who are alive, meaning alive in Christ now, turns us over, delivers us unto the death of Jesus always. Get this now. Let's read it. Watch. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. <clears throat> it is a faithful saying, For if we be dead with him, and we are, we shall also live with him. But this is all a potential all a potential based on if our faith is in his death and if our faith remains in his death. Watch. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. 
If we deny him, he also will deny us. Now, this is not talking about denying him as Lord of all and Savior. This is talking about if we deny him when it comes time to suffer. Oh, somebody need to hear that this morning. See, we have denied our Savior. If you're honest, you'll admit it. There was a time when I could have stood, but I didn't because of what I thought I might have to go through. There was a time when I could have stood, I could have contended, I could have stood when I saw things that were not right and I, were, and I were beginning to hear things that were not right and I even voiced my opinion to others about these things not being right. But because I avoided the suffering that would be there, I would lose this, I would lose that. Maybe I would lose this and that. Maybe I would lose a boatload of things because I would take a, take a stand to contend for the faith. And I avoided the suffering. Oh, in the name of this. Oh, in the name of that. And my friends, we've watched it over the last three to four years. A slow desensitizing saturation of leaven that was allowed to creep in. And when noticed and mouthed about and rebukes even came, there was no turnaround. There was no acceptation. There was no accepting the rebuke. There was no accepting. There was no contending for the faith. Therefore, the saturation of leaven because we wanted to avoid the suffering. And when we're avoiding the suffering, it makes no difference the scriptures we're quoting. It makes no difference the things we're telling that are right. Because what really matters is what's going on in our hearts. We can tell the right thing and not be experiencing it ourselves. And if that's the case, eventually we will even slow down and lose the fire that should be in the ministry because we avoided suffering. We only reign with Christ from where he reigned. And he reigned from the tree. He reigned from the tree. You, you might say, no, he reigned even before the cross. But all his reigning, all his miracles, all that he did was because of who he was and what he would do on the tree. And he did not wait to get to heaven after his crucifixion, burial, and resurrection to defeat and to take away the power of the devil. The Bible says he did it in his death. Hebrews 2.14, Colossians 2.14-16 tells us that Jesus in his cross, meaning in his death, triumphed over all. He ruled over, triumphing over. All principalities and powers when? When he was suffering on the tree. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, 
he will also deny us. Do you not believe that your Lord will deny you? There is something we quote a lot around here in this ministry in Revelation chapter 3. Two churches there mentioned, Sardis and Laodicea. Both of those were being denied the grace of God they desperately needed because their faith was not in the place that legally allows the Holy Spirit to give them the grace they need. Think about that. Jesus tells the church in Sardis, Revelation chapter 3, verse 1, that they have a name, that they're alive, but they're dead. The church in Laodicea, whatever it is they've got going on, is without faith in the sacrifice because Jesus is not even in fellowship with them. They're not in fellowship with the one whose spirit dwells in them. The Lord don't take his spirit away from us. The church of Laodicea had the indwelling presence and let's just say the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit because they were the church, the saved people of God in Laodicea. Just because we have the Spirit of God does not mean we're in communion in the communion of the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 14 does not mean that we're in communion with the Holy Spirit and in fellowship with our Savior. That third chapter in Revelation is very scary to me, but it's also very enlightening and encouraging to me because the Lord has brought the message back into the church that will remove the leaven and bring the fellowship back to a proper place with Christ. Back to a place where we suffer, yes, but we reign, yes. We suffer, yes, but we reign, yes. Let's read it again. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we suffer... We shall reign with him. The reigning of Christ, the rulership of Christ is because of his suffering on the tree. I want you to understand that. When we avoid suffering, it really means our faith is not where we would like to believe it is. When we avoid suffering, while, let me say it the right way, we do believe Jesus died on the cross for us. That's how we were saved. But many times, if you're honest, we find ourselves not depending on and trusting in that. Because here's a truth and here's a reality. While I am depending on my Savior's death for me and my union with Him is found in His death by faith, I will not avoid suffering. I will not avoid suffering. It's when if I avoid suffering for whatever the reason, it's because I'm not depending on the sacrifice of Christ. 
I can be telling it, I can be talking about it, but yet at the same time not contending for the faith, not standing against things that are working their way in because I'm fearful of what I might lose. And in that, I'm forgetting that I should be found losing all things for the sake of the excellency the, of the knowledge, the knowledge of my Savior that excels more and more. If I'm not losing anything for the sake of Christ, how can I be counting all things loss and dung? If I'm not losing anything, how can I be counting all things loss? Let me say it again this morning. Our reigning with Christ, our rulership with Christ is through our faith in His suffering on the tree. And that's not talking about just because you got saved one time years ago. You and I can avoid suffering now that we've been told to arm ourselves with the same mind of Christ that suffered in His flesh. We've been told in this same letter that we were called unto suffering because Christ left us an example of suffering. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 20 and 21. When we avoid suffering, it means our faith is not right. And if our faith is not right, then we're not reigning with Christ. When we avoid suffering, we're avoiding the reign we have with Christ. And we've, we, we've been guilty of this. Every Christian is guilty of this. But we should be learning to stand fast in the liberty, not just quote a Bible verse, but to stand there in that liberty wherewith Christ made us free. Galatians 5.1. We should be learning to stand there in this moment, in that moment when suffering is there, when I have to say, that's not right. That's not right. This is not right. No, you won't, you won't preach that here. No, you won't bring that here. No, we won't tolerate that. No, we won't stand for that, not even for an hour, as the Apostle Paul said. We won't allow those to creep in among us and, 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 and bring other things to, to put a mixture in the pot because wherever there's a mixture, there's confusion. And wherever there's confusion, there's contradiction. Are you hearing me today? Look at this now, verse 16. We're going to see something very powerful today. I've never seen what I'm about to share with you here in a few moments before in my life which is the context, really, of a verse that we're about to read. And I want to share it with you today. Let's read verse 16 again. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. See, there's a, there's a great potential of becoming ashamed of who we are in Christ, who He is in us, when we suffer. There's a great potential there for the, for the opportunity that there's a great potential there to, to keep the faith, contend for the faith, and to stand in that liberty. Hallelujah. And sometimes that requires correction on our part that we receive it or that we give it. 
But the potential is always there for the opportunity to reign with Christ through suffering with Him or the potential is there to become ashamed. And I do believe that one of the two is going to take place at any given moment. Because if we avoid suffering, we don't like to admit it. We don't like to admit it, but if, if we avoid suffering, and we'll name it a hundred other things, because we're ashamed. Oh, we'll name it a hundred other things religiously. But the potential is there to, be ashamed, to become ashamed when we suffer as a Christian. And let, let me say this, my friend. you got to get your mind off of suffering as a Christian for the most part among worldly people. Most of Christian suffering is done among Christians among those that claim they're Christian, and even many which are. Do you understand that? Watch this now. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. Why do we have to be told this? Because there is the potential of becoming ashamed of what we believed rather than ashamed of not believing it. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. But let him glorify God on this behalf. Now watch the next verse and just maybe and hopefully the Lord will be able to reveal to you something of great, great treasure today. Because, the first word of verse 17 is because. And maybe we've used this next verse way out of context and quoted it way out of context. But the context of what we're about to read is the context of Christian suffering for Christian living. Christian suffering for standing as a Christian. Listen very carefully. Because the time is come and is now that judgment must begin at the house of God. What is this verse talking about? It's talking about the judgment of God being among the people of God, being that of the message of the cross, which is the judgment of God, being experienced by faith, bringing about suffering all in the house of God as the people of God. For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, this judgment, this judgment that we walk in, this judgment, I, the Bible says in the book of Psalms, I believe it's Psalms 916 or 169. Let's just take a break and go look for it. Psalms 916, is that correct? Yes, it is. I thought it might have been chapter 16, verse 9, but it's Psalm 9 and 16. Watch the beauty of this great and wondrous scripture here in Psalms 9 and 16. The Lord is known. Do you know him? Do you know the Lord? Look at the beauty of this. The Lord is known by the judgment 
which he executes. Mm. The wicked are snared in the work of his own hands. Now I want you to know two things contrary here. You know the Lord by the judgment he executed on Christ for your sin problem. Hallelujah! We know God through the judgment of God revealed to us at the cross of Christ. That's how we know God. The Bible says in John 17, 3, this is eternal life that they know. This is Jesus declaring this. This is eternal life that they know the one true God and his son whom he sent. But the Bible here says that the Lord is known by the judgment which he executes. God's people know God by the judgment he executed on his son because of our sin. To be able to forgive us of our sin and to judge us righteous, hallelujah, in Christ Jesus. And to judge us not guilty in Christ Jesus, hallelujah. But there's a second part of that verse in Psalms 9 and 16 that says, The wicked is snared, trapped in the work of his own hands. You see, the work of God's hands is what Christ did at Calvary, for he is the right hand of the Lord. Worked our salvation perfectly, completely on Calvary's tree. And when we believed that, that judgment is what gave us the knowledge of God brought us into the knowing of God. But before that, we were trapped as the wicked who were ensnared by the work of our own hands. I'm not as bad as them. At least I'm not as bad as them. At least I do this. Oh, at least I don't do that. The scales were weighed in the vanity of our own fleshly mind. But when we heard the gospel, the judgment of God and we were convicted of sin by the judgment of God which is the gospel of Jesus Christ we believed it at some point and we knew God through that judgment of righteousness hallelujah glory be to God hallelujah to the lamb don't tell me this ain't exciting don't tell me this ain't exciting we say here in Texas this is as good as it gets hallelujah to know Christ Christ, to, to walk with Christ, even when the, when the trials come and they begin to burn like fire, fiery trials, we can stand in that liberty. When many times those who all of a sudden begin to look away and want us to look away, we can stand where we were placed. Even when we ourselves have been found still talking the same talk, but we're allowing other things to come in and be a a part of the talk that's not true, not pointing us to the one thing the Holy Spirit always delivers us unto, we can find a place that God is still being good to us and offering us a place of repentance. And we can in a moment's time 
come back to that standing place, that place where it's obvious we're going to suffer. It's obvious we're going to suffer, but it's also obvious that in that suffering, we're going to find the place that grace reigns, hallelujah, to the Lamb. We're going to find that place where the Bible tells us that the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon us. My friends, this is good news. This is where we've been called to stand, where we've been called to walk. This is the mind of Christ we've been given to be armed with that mindset that we are also going to suffer in the flesh. But as we have through faith in his sacrifice, then sin will not dominate our lives. Look back up to verse 2 of this fourth chapter that he no longer, talking about you and me, who've come back to the cross, who maintain our faith there, not just in words, but even in our contending and our rejection, rejection of that which is not the, the pointing to the cross of Christ. We've come back to that. And we no longer will live the rest of this time in this flesh to the lusts of men. The lusts of men will prevent suffering. The flesh doesn't want to suffer. We don't want to suffer, but we're called to it. And we're going to suffer one way or the other as we've taught in this great first writing, first letter of Peter. We're going to suffer. At all times, every human being is suffering. Either as a lost person without Christ, the sin nature is dominating them. It's in spite of their millions of dollars and their uh, uh, penthouses and yachts. They are a boatload of suffering. And if you're saved, but without the knowledge of how to live for God, of uh, you're without the truth of how the cross of Christ pertains to your moment-by-moment -moment living, you're suffering through the reign of the sin nature and the ruling of the flesh. But when you step into this place, uh, this place where God finds you desperate, wanting you want to know how to please God, God, how to live for God? How do I turn the other cheek? How do I stand in this place when suffering is there? How do I stop avoiding the suffering for the name of Christ? How? And God finds that desperate heart and he brings the truth of the cross to you, the very place and the only place that he allows you to be found boasting before him, Galatians 6, 14. And he begins to reveal to you the way of the cross, the way of righteousness, hallelujah, the way to walk in God's holy commandment. And when he does, guess what? Suffering is still there. It's now, though, a different and a better kind of suffering with the promise of the spirit of glory and the spirit of God resting upon us. It's there with the great promise of no longer us suffering because of our flesh, but now our flesh suffering itself, the rulership 
over our hearts. Hallelujah. This is the revival that we've been in for over 18 years now. This is the message that brings revival. This is the message that brings clarity and removes confusion. This is the message that removes all Un, uh, all contradiction. This is the message that keeps us walking with our Savior in the life that He walks in. This is the message that allows us not to be found begging God for revival, but to be in revival, my friends. Revi if you're living, you're suffering for righteousness' sake. And when you're suffering for righteousness' sake, you, according to the scriptures, are ruling with Christ. Not because of your suffering for meddling with other people. Not because we've suffered sinful things and we're having to now pay a 20-year price or a six-month price. It, those things, you're not suffering for Christ. We're suffering the penalty and the consequence for our big pieces of stupid. But when we suffer because we will not remove our faith from our union with our Christ in his death and we suffer for it, we see the opportunity and the potential is there to either become ashamed or to rejoice. Hey, hey, either to become ashamed or to rejoice. The choice is ours, but what makes the difference? Listen, what makes the difference and what chooses the direction we go is what we do with the death, the cross of Jesus in our hearts, not our lips, our hearts. When we're believing under righteousness, Romans 10 and 10, the Bible says our mouth will be speaking of that salvation. Second, write these, write these scriptures down, please, and go check them out, learn them. Let the Holy Spirit impart the truths of these scriptures to your heart. Second Corinthians Chapter 4, verse 11 through 13, reveal to us the true scriptural spirit of faith that comes and that speaks based on what we're doing when the Holy Spirit is allowed to deliver us unto the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to read those scriptures again. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. That's the true picture of the spirit of faith. What it has to be in and that it does speak when believing. Hallelujah. It's been a great, great, great broadcast today. I hope that God has been able to reach into your heart with these truths and that you would go and look at them again. Allow him, the great teacher, the one who imparts, who grafts the word of God into our souls to impart this that you've heard today. Share, Please share what you've heard today on social media. It's not about you or me. It's not about some local church. It's about the truths that we've heard today. Share the, don't be ashamed, my friend. Don't be ashamed 
of the truth of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of the narrow way. Don't be ashamed of those who are contending for the faith and warning those who are going the wrong way or allowing wrong direction to come into the body of Christ. Don't be ashamed of them because if you do, it's only because we're being respecters of people and we're avoiding suffering. And in all reality, there's some shame in that for the tr- because of the truth of where we should be. Stand in the faith today. It's been a great broadcast. Again, let me say that I've enjoyed this great teaching today. We're here every Friday, Monday now and Friday at 9 a.m. Central Time, Pastor Cross Time with Pastor Curtis. So tell your friends and your families, share these sessions while you're watching it or after the fact, but help us publish the word of the truth of the gospel and God will bless it. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. I love you and I pray that the Lord would be allowed today through your faith in His Son and His Son's work at Calvary to reach in to your life and touch body, soul, and spirit that wherever there's lack, by the end of the day you would say, there is no lack in my life because the Lord is my shepherd. Hallelujah. God bless you. I love you. I'll see you Sunday morning. Until then, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. We'll see you then.